Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. I'm so glad that you're here with us at this moment. Let's go ahead and we'll pray and we'll get right into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we just open ourselves up to you, Father. Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us to help us today, both in the ministering of the Word and in the receiving of the Word. And we'll thank you, Father, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory for that in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We're going to be talking about discipleship in this session, and I've entitled this session All In. And there's a couple passages of Scripture that I want to go ahead and read to you. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 8 and verses 18 through 23. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. And verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Now, Luke says essentially the same thing, but he adds uh, something. And we want to go ahead and read uh, what was written in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. Now, Matthew says that this was a scribe. So evidently this scribe was a follower of Jesus. And he said these things and Jesus replied to him, notice that what the scribe said, he said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has not where to lay his head. So Jesus is saying to this scribe, you have nice clothes, you have a profession, you have connections, but all these come second place to me. And where I go, you're not going to have a home. Where I go, you're not going to have a place to lay your head. You're going to have to follow me. And the hardships that I endure are the same ones that you're going to have to endure. So now let's read on. Verse uh, 59, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And so Jesus is intimating to this disciple. Notice that Matthew says this was another of his disciples that said this. He, uh, Jesus said, you follow me and you let the, bed, the dead bury their dead. But you go and you preach the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus essentially saying to this disciple, there are certain things that I know that are lawful. Certain things that uh, certain duties and responsibilities that have to be filled. But you're following me. I come first and you leave others to take care of these responsibilities. But your first responsibility is to me. 
And then Luke here, he adds something in verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Now, that's a perfectly legitimate excuse. But notice what Jesus says. He says this, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying to all of these disciples, if you want to join me, you have to be all in if you want to be a disciple of mine. So we must be willing to lay things down and to accept change if we're going to be a disciple of the Lord and especially if we're going to want to grow. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the discipleship of prayer. And there's some things that I want us to see in Matthew chapter 21, things that Jesus said and did. <clears throat> so in Matthew 21, verse 12, and Jesus entered the temple and cast out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Now, this was right after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And notice he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him, this is verse 14, in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, thou hast prepared praise for thyself? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Now, I want you to notice some things that Jesus had said. First off, he cleansed the temple and he removed everything that was not of God. And this is so important and it speaks to us that if we're going to be a disciple of the Lord, especially a disciple of the Lord in prayer, then we're going to have to remove everything that is not of him. We're going to have to cleanse the temple. And I want us to look at the temple as our temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's things that are going to have to be moved out of the way. You know, we have to ask ourselves this question. Have there been any changes in our life? Are we growing in the Lord? You know, it is insanity for us to do the same thing over and over and over and over again and then expect different results. No, if there hasn't been any changes, if we're not growing in the things of God, if our spiritual life is not deeper than it was a few months ago or uh, even a year ago, then we have to admit that we've got to make changes because God is never going to change. I remember a minister that lived many years ago said this, if I pray and I don't get an answer, then I change because I know God is not going to change. And so if we're really going to be disciples of the Lord, 
then there's and if there's things standing in our way, we're going to have to get them out of the way. Just like the disciples that that talked to Jesus and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, then be prepared for a life of hardships. And another disciple came. He says, Lord, I'll follow you. But first I got to go bury my father. He said, no, you follow me and you let the dead bury the dead. And then the third disciple said, Lord, I want to follow you, but I want to go home first. And I want to, you know, I'm going to bid farewell to those that are at my house. And Jesus said, listen, if you're going to follow me, then all that you've got to leave behind. You've got to put me first. So to become a house of purity means that we're going to put God first. We're going to move everything that's not of him out of the way so that we can serve God with a pure heart and a pure life. And then Jesus in verse 14, it says that the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them all. See, his house, the temple that he had cleansed, then became a temple of power. And God wants us to be a temple of power. He wants us to be a place where God's power can move And then in verses 15 and 16, you know, the chief priests, when they saw the wonderful things that were being done and notice this. And the children who were crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Notice what Jesus said. Yeah, I do. I hear what they're saying. But have you never read out of the scriptures, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes? You have prepared praise for thyself. See, we become a house of praise. God wants us to be a house of purity. He wants us to be a house of power. And he also wants us to be a house of praise. So, yes, we need to be a house of praise as well as a house of power and as well as a house of purity. So what Jesus did Turned the temple away from a spiritual dearth, so to speak, into a house of prayer. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be a house of prayer. And in order for us to do that, we've got to be house, a house of purity. And once we are, then the power of God is going to move freely. Amen. And you know, all of the power that's exuded through us is going to return to God in praise and in honor. Hallelujah. And so for us to have the kind of prayer life that the Lord Jesus really wants us to have, we've got to be and got to be a house of prayer that affects change. And so I want us to go through some things that uh, I have learned over the course of my life in ministry that really causes our life our prayer life to be a life that affects change. First of all, you know, when we go before the Lord in prayer, we've got to, first of all, decide what we want from God. We have to be specific in our praying. And I know a lot of times we pray, we just worship God, we just fellowship with him, and that's fine, and that's good, and we should be doing that every day. Amen. But now, when it comes to things that we need, And not just what we need, things that our church needs, things that our family needs, things that our community needs, 
then we've got to be specific about we want what we want from God. Now, notice this scripture in James chapter one, verses five through eight. Notice James says this, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's being, notice this, he being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. See how we need to be single-minded when it comes uh, to prayer? When we set our heart to go after something, we have to be single-minded about it. And it may not happen immediately. It may not happen in two days. It may not happen in a week. But still, we keep praying. We keep seeking God. We keep uh, being specific, specific in what we want from God. And it'll come. Jesus said it will come. Now, we need to find a promise in the Bible. We need to find out what it is that God promises the very things that we desire from him. Amen, because God's word is so important when it comes to our prayer life. If God said it, then that settles it. And all we have to do is believe it. Remember that God said it, that settles it. Now it's up to us to believe it. And if God says that we can have it, if the Lord Jesus says that we can have it, then we can have it. Amen. Praise God. And then once we have the word, then we ask in prayer. And Jesus said this. He says, if you ask anything in my name and you ask in faith, he says, you will receive it. Amen. So what we ask in faith, we will receive by faith. And then, of course, we have to believe when we pray. Notice what Jesus says in Mark uh, chapter 11, verses 23 through 24. This, to me, is the golden text of the Bible when it comes to prayer and faith. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Or actually, the literal Greek says, have faith God. And the expositors, they added in, you know, to, you know, make it smooth as far as the Greek, I mean, as far as the English translation. But we could say it this way just as easily, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith, because that's exactly what the literal Greek is saying. And then Jesus goes and he tells us in verse 23 what the faith of God is. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And I want you to notice how many times Jesus says shall in this verse of scripture. Amen. It's most definite. There's not a stronger force in the English language than it shall be. And Jesus said that when we speak to the mountain and we tell the mountain to be moved and we don't doubt in our heart, but we believe those things which we say shall come to pass, we'll have whatsoever we say. And then, of course, verse 24 says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, what do you desire? 
Amen. Do you desire a more perfect ministry? Do you desire a more perfect prayer life? Do you desire a greater portion of the spirit, a greater anointing in your life and in your ministry? Do you desire changes in your family and in your community? How about your church? Do you desire a greater anointing in the services? Do you desire change? Well, these things will come as you continue to pray and believe God for them to happen. Once again, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Amen. So when we pray, when we believe that we receive, then we've got to watch out for the enemy, and that is doubt. So we believe, and we do not doubt in our heart. Once again, let's look at verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, Notice this, and shall not doubt in our heart. Amen. There's something positive about the heart and mouth connection. We can't in our heart say one thing and in our mouth say something else. Our heart and our mouth have to agree. Amen. So that's why when we say we need to speak our faith, that's exactly what we're talking about. We leave no room for doubt. Like Lester Summerall said many, many years ago, we feed our faith daily and we starve our doubts to death. When it comes to believing God in prayer, when it comes to victorious prayer, there's no place for doubt in our life. Amen. And so we need to make sure that our words are in agreement with what we're believing. Amen. So let's read that verse of Scripture again. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt on our heart, but shall believe that those things which we say, amen, shall come to pass, we shall have whatsoever we say. Now that's Jesus talking. That's Jesus describing the faith of God. And all this, amen, was based upon what Jesus said to the fig tree. Remember that? He cursed the fig tree and the, and the fig tree died up, dried up from the roots. And the disciples were amazed. And Jesus told them, you can do the very same thing. Exactly what Jesus said is that you can do the very same thing. Not only can you dry the fig tree up from the roots, but you can speak to the mountain and tell the mountain to be moved, and it will be, and it'll be cast into the sea. But you've got to believe what you say shall come to pass, and you cannot doubt in your heart. Doubt is the thief of God's blessings and of his answers to prayer. You have to stay with it. There's some things you just have to stay with. There's other things that you can give the command of faith and it'll be done. And then there's other things that you just have to stay with. Amen. So let's remember that. Let's remember that when we pray, we believe and we do not doubt in our heart. And we continually enforce our praying and our believing by meditating on the promises of God. That verse of scripture or that passage that has promised us the things that we desire. 
Amen. That it, that it will come to pass. And we meditate on these promises. We build the confidence in our praying through meditating in the word of God. Now, notice what <clears throat> Solomon said in, in the book of Proverbs, chapter four. Notice he says this, my son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and they are health or medicine to all of your flesh. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the springs of life. Amen. Notice what Solomon was saying to his son. You give, and this is what the Lord is speaking to us. You give attention to my words. In other words, you watch over my word. You give attention to it. Praise God. And you incline your ears to my sayings. In other words, you let the word of God get on the inside of us. Amen. Praise God. And you don't let the word depart from our sight. Once the word of God is in you, amen, you keep it there. You keep it in the midst of your heart. For, notice what Solomon says, they are life unto those that find them. You have to find the word out for yourself. You may hear the word preached on Sunday, but that doesn't mean you've gotten it. That doesn't mean it's in your heart. It's in your heart by going over it over and over and over again. Just like school. The first time your teacher taught you a principle, you didn't get it. You had to go over it again. You had to be, be, you had to be taught. Then you had to be tested. And then you had to be taught again. And then you had to be tested. And then you had to be taught again. And eventually you got it. Amen. Well, it's the same with the word of God. Just because we hear the word one time. It doesn't mean that we've got it. We hear the word over and over and over again, like uh, Paul wrote to the Roman church. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We just hear it over and over and over and over again. Hallelujah. So if you're in a church where the word of God is being preached with power and with anointing, amen, and you heard that message, then, then get a, a copy of it. And listen to it again and again and again and again. Get it down on the inside of you, praise God, because that's where faith and that's where the anointing is born, is by getting the word down on the inside of you, praise God. That's when the word becomes life to us. That's when it becomes health to all of our flesh. So we have to attend to the promise of God. My son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Amen. We have to attend to the promise of God. And then we need to be single minded. We cannot allow the promise to depart from our mouth. We need to keep it in the midst of us. Do not let the word of promise depart from our sight. Keep it in the midst of our heart. Amen. Praise God. And once we do that over and over and over again, amen, it's going to become real to us. See, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about taking the promise of God and making it real to us, not just acknowledging it in our mind, but getting down, getting it down on the inside of us where it becomes a part of us. Hallelujah. And then once we do that, 
then we need to watch over our heart because out of our heart flows the issues of life. Amen. The word of God that's down on the inside of us, if we watch over it, if we continue to meditate, if we continue to talk it, amen, the word is going to speak to us. Amen. The word is going to uh, order and align the issues of our life. In other words, those things that we desire from God are going to come to us. Praise God. And then finally, after we've done all of this, we give God the praise. We continually praise him. We continually thank him for the answer. We continually thank him for the things that we desire of him. Amen. We make our house a house of praise, a house of worship and continually praise and thank him for what we've been praying for. Amen. We act like we've already got it. Amen. Even though it hasn't manifested, we know in our heart that it's coming to us. Praise God. Amen. We need to do these things. Now, there's something we need to do right now. And that is that if we want to grow, then we've got to ask God for wisdom. If we're missing it in any one of these areas, amen, we don't understand why our prayers aren't being answered, why we're not progressing. We need to ask God for wisdom and God will give us wisdom. And the greatest wisdom that we can have is by praying the prayers that God has given to us through the whole, uh, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, through the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And two of my favorites are found in the book of Ephesians. And I want to read them to you. The first one is found in chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. Uh, you may become very familiar with these, uh, with these prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Notice it's not your calling, it's his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. And the second one is found in chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God." Take these prayers and pray them over and over and over again, maybe a dozen times a day. Whenever you think about it, pray these prayers, memorize them and pray them. Pray them when you're on the job. Pray them when you're driving in your car. Pray them when you're going for a walk. Pray them over and over again and pray them in faith, expecting that God is going to give you insight and revelation concerning the Word of God. And you will experience change. This is what I'm doing. Amen. Praise God. I'm proceeding forth with this. And I know that God is going to bless my heart. And I know that if you'll do that, God will bless you too. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, 
I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.